Coming up on the best of girls play footy on RSN Carnival, we catch up with Collingwood AFLW footballer Emma King, Maroochydore coach Stuart Jackson, Boston Demons coach Lisa Arandondo, the Darwin Buffett's captain Lucy Adam, and activist and blogger Annie Nolan. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Best of Girls Playing Footy on RSN Carnival. And a quick reminder that this program is available as a podcast by going to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy. And don't forget, for all the latest women's footy news, find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or go to girlsplayfooty.com. In the middle of the AFL women's season, we had the privilege of catching up with Collingwood AFLW superstar in Emma King. Now, we started off by asking Emma how her life had changed from essentially being just a ruck at the Coastal Titans in WA, not known anywhere else in Australia, to in 2015 when she was taken as draft pick number one in that AFL women's draft for the exhibition match series to being signed as a marquee for the Collingwood Football Club for the 2017 season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not been a huge change but it's been a, a, a positive change and a and a happy change and um instead of playing footy as a hobby now I have to take it more seriously and now it's a semi-professional thing that I do every day of my life. And before being picked up as a marquee uh, for Collingwood how did it feel when the tag is being thrown around that this woman is the number one ruck woman in Australia? Yeah I mean the new tag is, was interesting to take hold um I'd only actually started playing ruck at the start of 2015, or 2015, sorry. So um, to then two years, or a year later, I'd say, to be named the best ruck in the in Australia, that's a, a huge honour, and um, I don't take it lightly, no. And it's been a big two years as well. I mean, when you throw in there such, not only the exhibition games, but you had a, a rare chance of history where you played for WA in that game against Victoria for the first time in 17 years, knocking off the Vicks. Yeah, that was an awesome win. Uh, probably one of my most favourite and memorable achievements in my sporting career. So I think all the girls, it was great to be a part of and um, will definitely be in our highlight reel of our careers. Heading towards the draft for uh, 2016 that would form the players for the 2017 AFLW season, uh, uh, clubs put in their list that they uh, wanted uh, for marquees. Uh, for you, what made the decision to go to a Victorian club where you could have easily been, no doubt, picked up by Fremantle if you wanted to stay in WA? Yeah, so I actually got um, called by Fremantle and Collingwood um, as options for their marquees. They said, we want to offer you marquee and spoke with both clubs and spoke with my family and I thought um, this is probably the right time in my life to make the big move and um, go out on a limb and go over to Victoria and go to the biggest club in the country and um, home of footy in Melbourne and just see how I go. So I made the big move and I had no responsibilities at home. So, yeah, I just thought, why not? Let's do it. Can you give us an insight to some of the things that are raised during those conversations when when they want you to become a marquee? What kind of probing questions are they asking you? Um, what you'd bring to the club and um, especially when I spoke to Collingwood it was what you hope to achieve out of this year in your personal development on and off the field and how you want your um, teammates to perceive you as a player and as a person Um, so mine was more in the focus of building my leadership skills and obviously developing myself as a player in ruck and um, uh, becoming a more versatile player moving forward um, into the forward forward line and um, yeah, hopefully making good friendships along the way, I suppose. 
Now, you're one of uh, three WA women that came across for the pies, including uh, Schleicher and uh, and Caitlin Edwards as well. Did you all end up uh, grouping together and sharing a house? Have you all gone your separate ways and decided to find an independent living in Melbourne? Um, well, we all knew each other beforehand, so Tara Morgan's the fourth one. Of course. Um, knew of each other, and um, I actually got... I was moved, I moved in with a, a netballer that came to Collingwood, and Ruby was asked to live with us as well because she's only 18 and then Tara and Caitlin Edwards um, moved in together so we're two and two. So good to still be amongst your teammates uh, at least to have some familiarity uh, in, in a strange new city. Have you found settling into life being now a Melbourneian? Yeah it's quite nice. Um, I mean I don't think much has changed. I think I'm mature enough to, to move states and um, take on some um, responsibilities of living on my own um, without the fan bam and um, yeah I think it's fine the only thing I'm not coping with is the weather change that's soon coming upon us with winter. Don't worry you're in Melbourne just give it 15 minutes and the weather will change that's what the will have to say also being in Melbourne just touching something off field for a moment of course you did a, a degree in architecture so yep. have, you, have you found that inspiring for you off the field particularly the uh, Victorian era style buildings around Melbourne? Um, to be honest, I haven't really looked into it that much, actually. <laughs> um, I've just been go, go, go with footy, so I haven't had a lot of time to take myself out of it, but definitely um, going to take that more serious approach once the AFL season's over. Can you give us in the insight to what is a typical day like, a non-match day for an AFLW marquee? Um, a lot of Netflix. Um, that's new to me, so I enjoy watching TV series. No, it's probably doing the um, around-the-house domestic chores, making sure I'm ready for the rest of the week, so get my laundry done, make sure I'm having my three meals, but just relaxing, um, making sure I'm not on my feet all the time, just getting in that rest when I can. Are you getting used to what I call the ambassador-type roles with, with the Magpies, particularly when you've got to go out, for example, to Auskick clinics and you've got to keep in charge of the kids, uh, also primary schools, and whether it be on the other side where you've got to go to a corporate luncheon or whatever and speak on behalf of the club? Yeah, I'm quite happy to represent the club and um, represent the players as well. I think everyone's welcoming whichever environment you go into, whether it's the kids and the teachers and the parents. They probably get more excited than the students do, but... Um, the same with when you go to a corporate function, they're very professional and I think um, Collingwood helped us stay professional and um, allowed us to act appropriately at each experience. Focusing just on the field for a moment, as we alluded to earlier, three and three, um, you've got three wins in a row. Is there anything that you personally can pinpoint you think was the turning point for the Magpies to get things together, to get that winning combination right? I think um, it's probably the point where we just said, let's go back to basics and play footy and make sure we're enjoying it and playing for each other. So um, the camaraderie of each other is probably what's banded us together and we may have lost it in those first couple of rounds, but we somehow brought it around to the fourth round and we've been able to keep it up since. And, of course, as we mentioned earlier, being the number one ruck in Australia, so it's interesting to have your perspective on some of the other rucks you've been going up against. For for example, the likes of Sabrina Frederick-Torb uh, down at the Brisbane Lions. Uh, then you throw in, of course, um, uh, McKinnon, who, of course, is a rising star nominee, and you took on uh, this weekend. How have you viewed the uh, other rucks, and who have you seen as is, is the biggest threats or the biggest challenges to your game? Um, so I'll, I'll go through all of them. Who do I have first? Carlton, Alison Downey um, versus her for the majority of the game. 
she was probably I had no idea who she was coming into the the league, so that that puts a little bit of doubt into me, but also um, keeps me positive, so I don't have to focus on their game as much. But she's been really good. I know she's developed a lot over the ground, um, over the round. Sorry, um, she's really good with her possessions around the ground and disposals, so that helps her um, as an extra mid around the ground. Um, who does second? Who did we have? Uh, you had Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. Yep. Yeah, Lauren Pierce. I versed her last year, so I knew a lot about her. and She's really good with body work, so I knew going into that game, um, I've got to make sure I stay strong. And um, if we get first possession of the ball, that's really good for our teammates. And Sabs, Sabrina was, yeah, I versed her in WA a lot. She's gotten really good, got her leaf up a bit. She versed her in the middle. Um, and then their other ruck was a bit shorter, so I think I was able to get over the top of her with that one, but... Yeah, Sabji's gotten really good. She's obviously keeping up her possessions and then um, going forward. So she's done really well as a versatile player for Brisbane. Um, Bulldogs, Tiana Ernst, I versed her as well when she played for Melbourne. She's very good at body work and um, her tackling pressure, which has showed in her stats over the over the coming weeks. And um, yeah, so she's she's a hard one to get to. So she stays in contact the whole time and um, knows how to take away my advantages as well um, with my leaps. So she's a tough component opponent and Erin McKinnon never versed her before. First person to be taller than me in a ruck contest. So um, that was a huge challenge. She got me in the centre a couple of times, but um, again, I was able to find her weaknesses in um, body work. So um, made sure I capitalised on that and um, gave it my mid's first ball use. Of course, one legendary player you've got on your list is Lou Watton, your fellow Ruck. Uh, 20 and 17 uh, hit-outs, respectively, between you uh, for the GWS match. What has it been like to be able to have someone of the calibre of Lou Watton to spar with at training sessions? Yeah, it's really good to have someone um, like Lou, with all her experience and knowledge of the game. She's able to help me on my game. I'm able to help her on her game versus someone for her versus someone that's taller. So um, was able to help her prepare for McKinnon on the weekend. And um, she's great with body work. And it's also good to have Ruby Schleicher, our other ruck, um, who's an aerial ruck. So all three of us have options of going up against body and aerial um, every single training session. So we've got a really good mix of rucks. And, um, yeah, hopefully it keeps us going through the games. It's much being talked about uh, for the psychology of the last round game against the Adelaide Crows because obviously uh, if Melbourne get done, you're technically a mathematical chance, though a lot needs to happen uh, to, to sneak into the top two spot. Should Melbourne win, you're still in, a, I guess, a great position to be a spoiler and uh, deny uh, the Crows a, a grand final spot. Yeah, um, I mean, we're obviously just going in the game focusing on making sure we get the, the W at the end of the end of the season so we finish four and three, but... Um, um, there is still that mathematical chance, so we'll see how Frio and Melbourne go, and then we'll see um, what we need to be done in the in the final four quarters for us at Olympic Park Oval on uh, Sunday, Park, yeah. indeed. And uh, it seems hard to believe that the season is almost over because of how short it is. So, what's next on the cards for Emma King post AFLW season? Um, well, we all get a couple couple of weeks break before VFL starts, so. Um, I'll take some time for a bit of R and R, and and then um, focus on finding a, a VFL club and um, playing that season out. Yeah. Emma would end up selecting the Eastern Devils as the side that she'd play with in the VFLW competition for season 2017.
Earlier in the year, we caught up with Stuart Jackson, the coach of the Maroochydore Roos. They made their debut in women's football in 2016 in the QWAFA Division One competition, where they swept all aside to take the flag. They were rewarded with promotion in 2017 to the State League, the QWAFL in Queensland, where they would end up finishing sixth just four wins outside the top four in their debut year. We first of all started asking Stu how the women's side actually came about for the 2016 season. Uh, I guess it was um, a little bit of a groundswell up here with, with women's footy, but the girls' footy had been going for a few years, and I'd coached them Richard or under-18 girls for the two years prior, and a lot of those girls were ageing out, so they needed somewhere to go. So a bit of a conversation between the senior club and myself, and we decided to give it a go. And you did so particularly in the 2016 season when you uh, debuted in the QWAFA. Could you have imagined the season to go any more perfectly? Yeah, mate, it was surprising. Along the way, we we set the girls' challenges every week and and they just ate them up. They responded really well every week. So a little bit of of feeling started growing two-thirds of the way through the season. They thought they could take it out. Um, and I guess we were just lucky. We had a lot of talent in the team. We had a lot of girls that had played state under 18s footy. Um, and I guess we probably wanted to be in the quaffle to start with. But uh, AFL Queensland, in their wisdom, <clears throat> and correctly so, I guess, um, decided to, to give us a run to see how we go with numbers and, and whatnot. And as you said, you, you kind of had that inkling two-thirds of the way during the season. For you as a coach, when do you switch from I'm setting week-by-week week goals to, OK, let's go for it. Let's see if we can do the whole deal and get through undefeated. Do you mean publicly or privately? <laughs> I, I, I think publicly you always wait until grand final day. But, yeah, um, but, You've but, got to get there. You've got to get there first. But, but how about privately amongst the group back then? Um, I guess... Myself and the leadership group, we kind of had a feeling about halfway through the season that we could we could go pretty well. There was a couple of teams that we hadn't seen um, that we that were sitting second and third to us on the ladder, so we didn't really know what to expect. And we came up against them in the latter half of the season. So once we got over those hurdles, I think it was there was a bit of feeling building in the group that they knew they could have a real crack at it. And indeed you did to uh, Queen Swept the Flag. When did the conversation begin uh, for you to take the step up, take the next challenge, and that's come up to the QWAFL? Um, I'd been corresponding with AFL Queensland pretty much all of last year. Uh, but the opportunity to officially apply was, I guess, um, not long after, after the grand final. I think everybody realised that we were we were going to be serious about having a, a decent women's team up here. And because you're now in the QWAFL, do you find any players coming back to you that may have, uh, in the past, had to leave for other clubs that wanted to obviously take the challenge of the next level? Um, we're going to be lucky enough to have one of the Brisbane Lions women's players playing with us. She was a Maroochydaw junior and, and living on the coast still, so she'll be coming back. Uh, there's another two girls that were Sunshine Coast juniors that won't be coming back at this stage because they have either work or study commitments in Brisbane. Um, but yeah, there are some there are some ladies coming out of the woodwork that have played various other sports at, at high levels. We've got an Australian touch player trialling out with us at the moment, and she's looking very handy.
You talk about players. One that we should mention as, as well that was from Maruchidor playing at the Lions is Shannon Campbell. How have you assessed her, how she's been going at AFLW level? She is a rock. She is one of the best defenders I've ever seen, male or female. She reads the play very, very well, is, is courageous to her detriment sometimes, and loves to go back with the, with the flight of the ball. Um, but yeah, she's a fantastic leader out there, and, and she'll be learning for some of the best days in comp too at the moment, playing alongside some of those girls. But she'll be she'll be valuable for us. She's the one that's coming back, which is great to hear. And have you been able to actually use her in a marketing sense to be able to get her to come down to training, whether it's seniors or junior level, mind you, as well at Maruchi Door to say, "Here's Shannon. She's come from Maruchi Door. Come join us because this is where you can go." Um, Shane's been fantastic. She actually she was doing a traineeship with AFL Queensland here on the sunny coast last year, so she was out and about with um, with all the school kids. So most of those kids know her. Um, and this season so far, over our pre-season, she's been to well, probably a dozen training sessions to make sure she knows the girls when she comes back and to make sure that, that they know she's approachable. And, yeah, she's been fantastic. And what's the lead-up been like as we build towards April 1 when you have your uh, first game for premiership points in the QWAFL against uh, Wilston Grange? Uh, have you managed to play out any practice matches? What numbers are the squad looking like at the moment? Are you looking at a squad of 35-40? Uh, uh, well, we'll have it in, in both comps this year. So we've got, we've got 45 girls-ish on the list at the moment. Uh, we've got to have a squad of 30 for the Quaffle team. Uh, and the girls that don't get selected each week, they'll play down in the Quaffa competition. Um, so, yeah, the numbers have been fantastic. We had a practice match intra-club a week and a half ago. Uh, it was fantastic turnout. The girls went really hard. We've unearthed some new talent too, uh, which is quite often difficult to spot just on the training track. Uh, game situations are obviously a little bit different. Uh, and we have another practice match coming up on Sunday against Morton Bay against the Moreton Bay Lions, and hopefully um, it'll be a nice hit out and get plenty of players into form as you head to uh, April 1, 4.45pm at your home ground. Uh, it's a Saturday for those interested in uh, heading along and checking out the uh, Maroochydore Roos. What is the uh, plan, I guess, for Maroochydore in the competition? Do they see your club as, I guess, a representative of the Sunshine Coast and hoping that uh, other clubs that may stay in the Community League, for example, which is the QWAFA uh, and its lower divisions, feed through to you? With a bit of luck, that's that's where we'll be for the next few years at least. I think the numbers, they probably won't support another uh, QAFL team on the coast for a couple of years at least. So with a bit of luck, Gimpy and Nambour, who have a coffer team, some of their better girls that, that have a bit of ambition might look to come across. We're able to do a, a player share arrangement in some of those cases as well so they can be registered to those home clubs and also come and come and have a couple of games with us. Has there been much in the way of vision, etc., that you've been able to see of the uh, opponents that you'll be up against in the QWAFL and assess of how you want to plan to attack them and uh, and take them on in your first year? Because for you, you have the advantage of they don't know you. Um, I watched a lot of footy last year. I, I went and watched as many quaffle um, games as I was able to. Um, and I guess I've, I've known quite a lot of the girls over the last few years. I've been lucky enough to, to coach the under-16 state team uh, and help out with the under-18 state team. So I've seen a lot of those girls. Um, 
I guess it's a matter of now of sifting through some old video as well. There's a bit of video online available for me to check that out. And what are the expectations that uh, you put on the girls for their first year diving into this competition? Uh, we definitely want to be competitive. There's no bones about that. Um, I believe we've got the talent to, to win a few games and, and really surprise a few people. Um, the girls are confident. They're excited. They're really looking forward to the challenge of stepping up. As I said last year, they, they accepted every challenge we put to them and rose above it. So we're looking to do the same again this year. And Stu, just before we let you go, uh, for you personally, the honour of uh, winning Coach of the Year last year. Uh, that was a real surprise. Actually, I had no idea that was coming. I, I didn't even know they did those awards, to be honest. Um, as I said to the girls, I can't, I can't win those awards without the girls performing well. So it's, it's one of those things. It's a team effort. You're listening to the best of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. We put in a phone call a few months ago to Boston, Massachusetts, to chat with Lisa Arandondo, the coach of the Boston Lady Demons. They were a side that hosted Jessica Wuchner, a now Brisbane Lions player, back in 2015 as part of a cultural exchange program between Australia and the USA to try and help develop women's football in the US AFL. Now, as we always do for those that are overseas, we asked Lisa how did she come about playing Aussie rules football? I, I discovered it through boxing, actually. <laughs> uh, a girl that I went to a boxing gym with happened to play, and she came in one day, and she was uh, a little banged up. But I said, what happened to you? Did you get hit by a truck? She goes, oh, no, I play Aussie rules. She goes, you want to come have a kick? I said, no, no, I'm good. And she, she kind of harped on me for about two months, and then um, I said, fine, I'll come for a kick. And First kick, first broken finger, and I fell in love, and it's never been, <laughs> I haven't been happier since. That needs to be a new bumper sticker. Come get beaten up. Come play Aussie Rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so it's great that you managed to, to take up the sport. Um, the Boston Lady Demons, how long have they been established in the Massachusetts area? Um, they've been established for about seven years now. So it's great they've been long established, obviously growing the base. What are the numbers looking like there at the moment at Boston? Uh, right now we probably, we will range um, on an annual basis. Uh, some years are better than others, but we usually sit around uh, about 12 girls uh, and women that will come out and play. And uh, we've been doing a huge recruitment push, obviously. Uh, Jess, or uh, Wisha was uh, a huge component to that. And um, it's been phenomenal. So it's helped get the name out and we just keep going out to colleges and rugby clubs and uh, Gaelic clubs and try and have, convince everyone to come have a kick. So what's a typical calendar like for the Boston Demons? Uh, what's some of the games from Metro footy to 18 aside? Uh, what are you playing during the year? So we normally play, uh, our calendar year will go uh, about March, depending upon if we have snow on the ground or not. Um, and then it will go to October where we have our U.S. Nationals um, at the end of the season. And this year we have a really interesting kind of combination where we have enough girls uh, within the East Coast, so the Boston Lady Demons, the Baltimore Eagles, the New York Magpies, um, then the Montreal Angels, and we have the Philadelphia Hawks where we're going to do a round-robin of Metro Leagues and then we'll have our own tournaments probably once a month uh, within that as well. 
It's fantastic to see how that is growing. Now, you mentioned the name uh, Jessica Wujna, as we know, a wusher here in Australia, playing with the Brisbane Lions. Uh, back in 2015, uh, she came over to the US as part of an exchange program. Uh, how did she hook up with the Boston Demons? Uh, she went through a program um, where Drea um, uh, Casillas had, she's the president of the Women's um, Association as well as she's on the board for the USAFL, and they had um, kind of spearheaded an idea of having an exchange program of having um, players from, from Australia that wanted to come over and experience playing here in the U.S. and help grow the game, and it was directed towards clubs that needed um, just a little more direction and needed the recruitment process and maybe even have um, an Australian female come over and kind of explain the culture of the game and and how it works. So the Boston Lady Demons were very lucky and fortunate to have her come on over, and she was just a firecracker to have over here. She really took the reins for it. She helped the girls um, understand just proper technique and understanding the flow of the game better, as well as fire up them in convincing them on how to um, recruit and how to keep players and um, just made them all more energized for the entire sport. And she brought over not only just her knowledge and her skill, but she brought over more of the passion and the love for the sport, which um, a few of us veterans already have, but getting some of the younger ones to understand just how important it is and what a fantastic sport it is, um, she just brought it with her. We couldn't have been happier to have her here. And exactly, for you as a coach, how did that help you, um, I guess, adjust your training methods going forward? Um, I was really open to any kind of suggestions that she had because um, here in the States, sometimes you have um, Aussie men or you have some Aussie women that float through that will help coach, but a lot of times it's um, self-taught or it's self-taught knowledge that's been handed down, so for me it was great to have somebody that plays it all the time to come over and say, well, we kind of do it this way, and this is, you know, some of the drills that we run, or you could look at it this way, and um, for me it was, I used it as a clean slate and a learning experience, Um, so I took away from it, I think, far more than she thinks she ever gave to me, but I truly did take away from it a ton of knowledge and uh, passion. And I believe she was able to help you throughout, if I'm correct, the Eastern Regional Tournament plus the USAFL Nationals of 2015. Yes, she was. And she, she ended up winning the MVP at the US Nationals for us. She might have had just a little bit more skill than the others, just quietly. <laughs> a little bit. But you know what? She, she was... She was a resource for all the women that um, throughout the entire country. She was an open book for them. She made a lot of friends um, and connected via Facebook and even Snapchat. And they stayed in touch. And even during any of the tournaments, anyone could go up to her and ask her, you know, how do I do this? And she, she took it and ran with it. And she just helped. And may we say just quietly, she also passed on the good Mad Monday tradition as well. I think I've seen a photo of two of the kangaroo onesie. <laughs> yes, there was, there was a very lovely onesie that she was wearing, um, and it was it was good fun. <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic to hear. And um, I, I also have to ask, how, how did she help on the off-field side of things, of obviously trying to uh, uh, look at ways of trying to find footballers to join the Boston Lady Demons? Um, it was interesting because we, since she was not able to um, to 
to have a working visa here, uh, we utilized her to kind of go out to um, the local gyms and to go to local colleges and just kind of bring a ball with her and uh, have a conversation with uh, the 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 higher impact sports that existed. Um, so she would go do that, and she would talk to us about how some of the recruitment efforts, while a little bit easier over in Australia because it's more of a a known sport, obviously, <laughs> she, and people grow up with it. Um, she kind of went through how they recruit for their own local clubs, you know, to bring people over. And we utilized some of that, but we really used her as um, a resource to just go onto campuses and go into uh, just gyms and just start conversations with people and have her really be able to explain the sport to it. So it was good. Fantastic to hear. Now, as you alluded to uh, earlier, you play with the, uh, a number of teams around the area. You said New York, uh, Columbus, Baltimore, Washington. Uh, there's Montreal up north, etc. Um, over the past couple of nationals, you had a few different combinations that you've teamed up with uh, to, to play in Division Two. Um, how difficult is that uh, as a side when you arrive at the nationals and oh, we've got to know a bunch of new people and put a team together and try and win? <laughs> it's um. Uh... Challenging, and uh, unfortunately, here in the in the states, sometimes as you develop clubs, you you don't have the numbers to field a full eighteen on eighteen. So, obviously, the USAFL and the Women's Association um, created this other division where you can combine teams. So, some of the smaller teams um, that consistently have to uh, combine with teams similar to like Baltimore and Boston. Um, and even Philadelphia, they get very used to adapting uh, to new players. So they learn to pick up on skill levels and play uh, styles a lot quicker than some of the more um, established teams that have a full a full squad or close to a full squad where they're not as used to it. So for us, it was difficult, but it wasn't something we were unused, un- not, um, it wasn't unheard of for us. So it, it, you have to wrap your head around it a little bit more to understand that there is going to be that extra element of people that you don't really know how they play, but you have to learn how to adjust very quickly. Well, they did okay in the uh, last tournament, uh, finishing runners-up in the end with uh, Montreal yeah. uh, against uh, against the team from Portland. Yes, it was great. Oh, it was it, that was a great tournament, and it was a hard fought. Uh, game and it was just one of those that was heartbreaking on our end but at the same point we we really gave it our all and Montreal was phenomenal um, with us and we've played with Montreal before so we get to it wasn't an unheard of matchup so we had already gone in knowing their style and they went in knowing our style so it was it was a good matchup we felt. And down to that as well, we should mention that uh, we've already spoken to here on the podcast, Valerie Moreau, who, of course, uh, from Montreal, who played uh, in your team at the Nationals. Yes, she was amazing. She She's such a talent, um, and I was never more proud to have her on my team as well as to play next to her and just to watch her skill level. She was, she was a phenom on the field uh, that entire tournament. Now, just before we let you go, Lisa, of course, if anyone listening knows an Aussie up around the Boston area or an American that's interested in trying Aussie rules football, um, how can they get in contact with you and uh, start training and playing with the Boston Demons? Um, so they can easily go onto our website, our, our Facebook page, uh, which uh, is the Boston Demons, and they can go in um, 
and to see the message us. We also have um, an Australian Rules uh, meetup page, as well as uh, we have an Instagram account that they can reach out to us. So there's multiple different avenues, and if they go onto our website, they can uh, just email us as well from there. So we are eager to have anyone and everyone come try out and have a kick, and we promise <laughs> we won't try and break your fingers on the first practice. <laughs> yeah. And I believe, if I'm correct, I think it's bostondemons.teamapp.com. So just Google it, and you should be able to find it. Yeah. Excellent, Lisa. Correct. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us here on the uh, girlsplayfooty.com podcast, and we wish you all the very best throughout the 2017 US AFL season. Thank you, Peter. The Boston Demons would end up partnering with the Baltimore-Washington Eagles to play in Division 2 of the US AFL Nationals. As we know, most Aussie rules football is played during the Australian winter, roughly from around about April through to September. There's a few possible exclusions, being the AFL Women's Competition, which is played during February and March, and Northern Territory football for both men's and women's. That runs from about October through to March during their wet season up in Darwin. And during the course of the summer, it was the Darwin Buffets that took out the NTFL Women's Premiership, and we had... Lucy Adam on the line to speak to her to ask what her feelings were like being premiers of the Northern Territory. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything. The weekend just feels like a blur, but no, just I think, you know, myself, everyone, all my teammates, coaching staff, we're just, you know, absolutely wrapped at the moment on cloud nine. Can I take you back about six months prior to the start of the season? Um, we've all known that Waratah, a dominant club, they've won their fifth premiership in a row. You're about to begin another season. What's going through your mind when you look at the fixture and you're thinking, we've got to not only come up against this side, if we want to win the flag, we have to beat this dominant team? Yeah, I think, you know, we really just took things one week at a time. We, um, we set a, a really big plan at the start of the season um, we got together and you know we set a goal um, that we wanted to make a grand final and um, we just worked towards that we we did a lot of things culture-wise within our team to just change things up to make sure that we were successful in achieving that goal and um, I think you know the turning point was really uh, when we beat Waratahs at their home ground um, just after Christmas and that's when it really just hit us that hey you know we're we're moving along and that goal is in sight and um, I think that's when we really started to to take things um, that little bit more seriously in that you know we we were in a really good chance of taking out the flag getting that premiership yeah and what a season for you uh, prior to the finals you managed to actually edge Waratah on percentage to uh, finish top of the table yeah I mean um, you know people kind of spoke about us as being um, you know, the ones on top and Waratahs were kind of the underdogs. But I think, you know, we kind of, um, I could say we surprised ourselves but at the same time. We, we knew deep down the depth of our, our team and, you know, we knew that they they also had a lot of experience um, just playing finals footy and that, you know, if we just tick the boxes and we worried about ourselves and our game plan and um, just our style of footy, that we would be able to come out on top. And, yeah, we did. Of course, coming into this season, for a number of players, you're coming fresh off the back of uh, there was a lightning series being played during uh, uh, during the winter months uh, up there in uh, the NT. And, of course, we have all the hype around uh, AFLW. So with all this hype and professionalism coming in, how much did that change, I guess, the training and the way you approach football compared to previous seasons? 
I think, you know, the Lightning Series comp was just phenomenal to be able to play with uh, different girls from within the clubs in the NTFL. It was fantastic. We we got to play in the dry, which was even better for conditions and just being able to mix and mingle. And it really raised the standards amongst everyone. We really, you know, we were so excited week in, week out. I, I personally, I didn't, I didn't get to play. I was coming off an injury, but just being a part of things from the coaching side, um, the energy and the buzz, it was really high for women's footy in the NT. Coming into grand final day, uh, normally your match is the, the feature match on the day. Uh, normally there's the men's preliminary final, but the big uh, the big game is the grand final for the women's. A little bit different this year. You actually were acting as a curtain raiser to the AFLW grand final. Did you sense a different hype about the day because of the occasion that uh, the Crows in Melbourne would be playing in town? Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit nerve-wracking, to tell you the truth. Um, tried Tried not to think about the fact that, you know, we were the curtain raiser, but um, I think, you know, AFLNT did a really good job of putting under-15s, under-18s, you know, us women all on that same day before the um, the Crows and Demons match, and I just think, you know, it really just highlighted women's footy um, and the pathways we've got happening up here, so it was, it was so exciting. And of course, you came into the grand final where things were uh, tight there at half time. What was said in the rooms when, uh, I guess, Waratah were coming and, you know, you could, you could have easily folded. You could be easily saying, oh, you know, they've done it before and they're going to do it again. What was said to stop them in their tracks? Um, well, we kind of, you know, when it got to the business end of the season, we really spoke about just our composure under pressure and, um, our assistant coach, Trudy, she, she really kind of, took us to um, something about Muhammad Ali and, you know, just his whole rope-a-dope. And that was something that we really, um, we tried to focus on is that, you know, teams would come out swinging against us and, you know, we'd, we'd want to obviously come back firing in that um, really uncomfortable style of play that we have. But we had to really stay composed and just ride it out, rope-a-dope, ride it out, ride it out, and then hit them when they least expected. And, you know, I think we did that. We we rode under their pressure. We we handled it well. And we just came out after that halftime and we just went out firing. I've always said grand finals are made up by players that uh, will catch you by surprise. And one of them for you was only playing, if I'm correct, a sixth game, originally from the Tiwi Islands, 18-year-old Jess Cunningham, awarded best on ground. Yes, Jesse Cunningham. Jeez. Keep that name in the forefront of your mind, she is electrifying. That is the best way to describe her. She is just phenomenal. And the fact that she's so young, she just reads the play so well. She brings people in. She is somebody who you put her in an, a, a women's AFL team and she would bring people through the gate. She has so much potential. And, you know, there, there's so much of that through the NT, though. You know, there's so many Jessies out there as well. Um, that's, I think, what's so exciting about our style of footy. To, to add on to that, is that probably a little bit of nervousness about playing on the day? Because um, not only are you obviously playing for a grand final, but Beck Goddard from the Crows is there. Of course, you've got that SANT partnership where NT players play for the Crows. She's watching on and she could be assessing you and anyone else that's on the park going, that's a potential recruit for next year. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's there's a lot of girls out there who absolutely chomping at the bit to to play footy at the highest standard. So I think, you know, um, 
that would have been a perfect opportunity for them to be able to show their skill and to show their potential. And, I mean, you know, I think that was the furthest from our mind from a team's perspective. Um, we we just wanted that flag. We wanted to get the job done. But, you know, um, on that grander scale, absolutely, I think, you know, being able to have that opportunity um, to show someone such as Beck Goddard what you've got is just awesome. Did you know the moment you had the flag in the bag in the final quarter? Can you sense it coming? Do you know, I think we've got this. And when that siren sounds, what hits you? What feeling? I am, um, in all honesty, I, I was so nervous, um, even in the minutes leading up to that siren. You know, I just didn't feel real. Um, was just trying to make sure that everything um, that we did was to make sure that we were in the front, that we were leading, that we were always getting to the ball first and that we were holding possession. And, you know, when, when that siren went, I, I just felt my knees fall under me. I just hit the deck. And I think, you know, it's been such a long time coming. So much has gone into it. Um, but to then just, you know, see my teammates around me just absolutely, you know, come to embrace. I, it's indescribable, that feeling. It, it's something that everyone, you know, everyone works towards that flag, that premiership. And to mention a few other names as well, Kylie Duggan, Isabel Porter, and Michaelia Roberts. Yes, absolutely. They're all superstars. Um, so much potential, so much skill. Um, you know, Kylie Duggan, she's an absolute engine room for us through the midfield. She's come from basketball backgrounds and just so much skill, so much talent. Um, you know, Michaela Roberts, um, we, we refer to her as Mickey. You know, she she has been the rising star up here in the um, NTFL for a number of seasons. And, you know, she's she's a mum of three and she she's always said she's, she's a mum first and then, you know, footy comes second and, you know, she just gives everything. She's a lethal left foot, um, you know, goal sneak. She's so elusive. And, you know, you go to someone like Izzy as well. Izzy, she's got the world of her, at her feet. She's got so much potential. And, you know, she's head, headed down to Melbourne um, as we speak to, to have a bit of a trial run with the team down there. So, yeah, I mean, for those girls. And also we've got Crystal Brown, Bubba. Um, that's another one who just, you know, has so much skill and potential and um, really, you know, the list goes on and on. We've, we've got so many girls who, um, you know, could be thrown into that mix, so many more in the NTFL, to tell you the truth. There's so much talent. Which is fantastic to uh, hear as uh, the competition starts to grow. And I guess the good thing is about, with all due respect to Waratah, with you winning the premiership, it kind of breaks it open and it makes teams think, okay, next year could be our year, as much, of course, as you want to go back-to-back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that would be the dream to go back-to-back. But I think, you know, um, it it really has. The competition's opened up. It's really shown that um, it's anybody's and, you know, the competition as itself up here in the NT, it's really starting to grow. And the fact that we've got under 15s, under 18s, and all those girls pushing on up through, um, it's really starting to raise the standard. And um, it's, it's such an exciting time for us up here. And as well, I should point out that, of course, with your season going on at the same time as the AFLW season, has there been any chance, I guess, at your training sessions that your coaches uh, pointed out video from what's been done in the AFLW saying, well, this is what they're doing here, this is what we probably need to be doing here? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk um, at training sessions, you know, that that's pretty much 
we, we train on a Monday, Wednesday. So on the Mondays, we, you know, we have a bit of a chat about some of the games over the weekend. And I know that, you know, we tried to um, follow something defensively that was very similar to the Crows um, with just a few tweaks. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it's great to, to look at what is happening in the women's comp um, and to be able to say, ha, ah, OK, that, that's what, you know, we're aiming for. That's what we're really trying to achieve as well. And because the likes of um, uh, throwing there the Abby Holmes, the Ange Foley's, Taylor Thorns, uh, Sally Riley's, etc., have been doing well on the uh, national stage with the Crows, has that uh, given a highlight and interest in the NTFL women's division? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think there's plenty of girls um, who, you know, they would absolutely love to be wearing the Crows' colours. You know, wearing any club's colours and you know, playing out there and um, playing at the highest level as well. You know, there's there's a lot of girls who hold that goal very highly um, that are striving towards achieving that goal. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having having people such as Ange and, you know, Sally and Abby and Heather Anderson and Taylor Thorne, all those girls, they, they really are um, paving the way and leading the way for the rest of us. The NTFL women's season is underway right now for the 2017-2018 season. And there's a little twist coming up to winter that the Northern Territory will field aside in the Victorian Football League women's competition. Yes, the NT Thunder will travel down on half a dozen occasions to Melbourne to take on Victorian sides. And about half a dozen Victorian sides will fly up to Darwin to uh, take on the Thunder. So some exciting news for women from the Northern Territory taking on the Victorian clubs during the 2018 winter. You're listening to the very best of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. One game we had the privilege of doing throughout the year was the Melbourne University versus Darabin match. If I'm correct, it was round five and it was in Hamilton in Western Victoria in June. We're out there for that occasion because of Pride and Inclusion Day, which was to help try and make it a more inclusive environment for the LGBTQI community in uh, country areas. Uh, One of the people behind the the idea was activist and blogger Annie Nolan, and she joined us on the line and told us how the idea of this day came about. Um, so I, I was um, reached out to by a man called Charles Beaton, who's really been um, the mastermind of it all. Um, himself and his brother have a website called Gay That's Okay, and they have a really interesting story. Um, they're identical twins. Um, one is straight and one is gay, and um, his brother Locke didn't um, come out until he was 27, and it was a really um, pretty – it's pretty upsetting story about how he just didn't feel accepted and uh, had lots of challenges with mental health and things like that, and um, especially growing in – growing up in the country, um, what adversity he faced there. So he reached out to me and um, sort of said that, oh, you have a lot of followers, a lot of which are from Hamilton, so you're probably the best person to um, help, you know, get the the word out there about it Um, and obviously a a strong ally for the community. Um, So I'm just, I suppose I'm just a platform in which to spread the word about it and, um, yeah. It's an interesting concept, isn't it, to have the game in Hamilton because I guess when people think about the LGBTI community and all the events uh, for them, it's usually held in St Kilda, such as the Pride March there, Midsummer around Paran, the big LGBTI community up in uh, Fitzroy. But why Hamilton out in rural Victoria? I guess the interesting question. Yeah, so I mean, it's pretty a pretty simple one, really. Um, t- 
two things. One, there is often the misconception that um, people in the country aren't accepting. And um, we've seen a lot of that um, with a very famous ex-tennis player coming out and um, speaking on behalf of farmers and rural towns, saying that, you know, they aren't accept, uh, they believe what she believes and um, aren't accepting whatsoever. And that is just totally untrue. Um, I mean, of course, uh, it's a little bit different growing up in the country. There's not access to things like there is in the city um, and people are often forced to uh, not be true to themselves in the country. Um, so that's definitely a real thing that's happening in the country. But we wanted to show how many um, allies and how many gay and lesbian and trans people are actually um, living in the country um, and obviously not just those three things, LGBTQI. So, um, yeah, and we wanted to highlight that um, the country isn't all about that. But also the other thing is, the second thing, um, mental health in the country statistically is um, a, a lot worse um, in the country um, and also then if you put on top of that being LGBTQI, it's, um, yeah, it again goes up again and the access to services and things in the country just aren't quite there like they are in their city and, um, yeah, like you said, there's lots of marches and things in the city for people to feel welcomed and I think it's time that the country areas um, show their support. Before we talk about the football on the day, it all kicks off, doesn't it, with a, uh, a big lunch being held at, if I'm correct, Alexander House, that's opposite the football ground? Yeah, Alexandra House, yep, um, across from Melville Oval. Um, yeah, and we have two panels there. Um, one will be a football panel um, with some experts in their field and the other will be an LGBTQI panel uh, made up of people that are um, in the community um, or there's uh, one other person, Angie Green, who has a um, organisation called Stand Up Events that will be on that panel as well. And she she runs um, like pride and inclusion in football um, and uh, a whole heap of um, things around that. Um, so she'll be on the panel too. So uh, the LGBTQI panel will be really interesting because um, we have people that are in that community, in the community, and also live in Hamilton that will be on it, or are farmers, or you know have their stories to tell. And so people, yeah, are buying a ticket, and they will be. Um, able to have the privilege to listen to these people and I think it's going to be a heap of laughs but also um, pretty moving. I'm, I know that I'm probably going to be emotional from the second that everyone starts talking um, but yeah, it'll be a great day. If we focus on the football, it's being hosted by the Hamilton Kangaroos Football Club. They will be the uh, last game on the Oval around about 5, 5.30pm uh, in the uh, uh, HFF now uh, game against the uh, South Warnable team. But beforehand is a special event. It's the VFL Women's Game. Now, of course, as we are at RSN Carnival covering the game uh, live on air for the 3 o'clock bounce. The question is, how did Melbourne Union Darabin get involved in agreeing, I guess, to move a game three hours out of Melbourne to Hamilton? Yeah. Yeah, so they've been absolutely unbelievable. Um, we reached out to them because they were, this is like the grand final rematch, um, but also they have about 40 AFLW players that, amongst them that will be um, heading down there. And so, I mean, we all have seen what the AFLW have done um, in this space um, in its very, very short time that it's been around and um, stories of um, people, you know, coming out or uh, 
um, you know, having partners uh, playing for opposition teams and all these really interesting stories. And so they've they've really moved this space um, ahead and it was just kind of a no-brainer to get them involved and they were so willing and they've been so amazing and really, um, really helpful and we can't thank them enough for coming down. I think um, the Hamilton people are just so thrilled that they're going to be having so many superstars in their town playing such a monumental game. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege. And they've really gotten right behind it as well with some special commemorative jumpers as well. Yeah, yeah. So both of um, Darabin and Melbourne Uni are wearing rainbow jumpers and also the Hamilton senior team that you're just talking about um, have adapted their top as well um, to replace the kangaroo. Well, the kangaroo is still there, but the kangaroo is in rainbow colours and all the numbers on the back are rainbow colours. So the three clubs have just been, you know, gone above and beyond and we couldn't be more grateful, really. After the day, what do you hope will come out of Pride and Inclusion Day? Yeah, I, I hope that um, just by uh, being there and saying that it's okay and, like, I mean, the whole premise of what Charles' organisation is is gay, that's okay. And we want people to know that it is um, footy. Footy is often the heart and soul of a country town, whether or not you like football or not. And we've had so many messages from people saying that I'm not really even a footy fan, but what you're doing is so amazing and I'm so supportive. Lots of people saying they've had to move out of their country towns because they just um, didn't realise that they were accepted and they had so many um, allies or other people in their community even living there. So, I mean, even if this, like, helps one person, it would be amazing. But um, also with all the funds that we are able to raise on the day will be going to the Western District Health Service, um, their LGBTQI um, department, and hopefully that will go towards um, mental health, particularly in um, the LGBTQI community. So, um, I mean, there's lots of things to be gained from it. I also think that not only will this help people in Hamilton, but it'll definitely get um, the message out there for other people living in country towns, and I'm sure it'll get um, enough media that it'll spread and people in country towns, even outside of Hamilton, will realise that, um, you know, there are plenty of people that accept them. Um, and also, I suppose the final thing is... Um, this is about pride and inclusion. And so this is not just about the LGBTQI um, community. This is also a gender thing uh, about women and the roles that they play. Um, that's why we have the two women's teams coming down as well, um, showing that, uh, I mean, as anyone that's grown up in a country town would know, women, I've seen women mouse about sheep and herd cattle and um, run local shops and all that sort of stuff. Women play massive roles in the country and I think that um, this the two women's teams coming down will just highlight that again and just to move the gender equality space as well um, yeah and uh, just quickly I know everyone's really focused on this Saturday but I guess what are the hopes going forward are we looking at an annual event in Hamilton or perhaps it moving around from town to town throughout rural Victoria Ah, oh, wouldn't that be fantastic? I, I would just love that if that was able to um, happen. Um, I'm definitely hoping that something like that does happen. Um, at the moment, I'm just concentrating on making this weekend an absolute blast um, because I just want 
it for now just to go so smoothly and um, for it to really move people um, in the community like whether or not they're, you know, straight, gay, whatever. Um, I just want it to be a real success this weekend. But if it is, I really would love that. An annual thing would be fantastic. I suppose we just haven't put all that much effort into thinking about long term. Um, at the moment, we're just trying to get this weekend going smoothly and um, with great success, which I think it will will go with great success. Um, if um, anyone has been following what's been going on in Hamilton, like, Virtually the whole main street has been transformed into rainbow colours. Um, we've just said to the people in the town, whoever um, support the community, if they would duck out their front windows with rainbow colours just to show their solidarity, that would be fantastic. And they have. And, you know, that is just amazing. I, I just hope that, um, it, you know, there might be a young kid in that town that might be a little bit confused or a little bit, you know, worrying about their life. And um, I just hope that they realise that they have the support of the town. And for me, that, that short-term goal is just enough for now. But, yeah, hopefully in the long term we can keep doing it. And hopefully one day, like, gosh, the main goal would be that we won't even have to do things like this. I mean, um, it's always great to be proud, though, and I think that it will always happen. But, um, you know, to have to say gay, that's okay. With the reason we have to say that is because some believe that it's not. And I hopefully we don't even have to say that phrase anymore. Pride and Inclusion Day was a roaring success in Hamilton, and they've been talking about either having it as A, an annual event in Hamilton, or B, having it uh, pop up in other regional centres, either as a tour or as in multiple regional centres hosting it on the same day. So we know there's bigger and better things for Pride and Inclusion Day. And the great news for them was on Wednesday, the 15th of November 2017, Australians in the uh, marriage uh, postal survey uh, elected 61.6% to vote yes to change the law to allow same-sex couples to marry. So certainly a lot of good work done by those uh, behind Pride and inclusion day that wraps up the best of girls play footy on rsn carnival for another week you can download this program as a podcast by going to apple Podcasts or soundcloud and searching for girls play footy find the latest women's footy news on girlsplayfooty.com or searching for girls play footy on facebook twitter or instagram i'm peter holden till next time it's bye for now